Welcome to B2B Sales Trends, the podcast dedicated to sales leaders in the B2B space, where we share conversations about innovative and successful sales transformations to keep you up to date on the latest trends. This podcast is brought to you by Global Performance Group. Welcome to another episode of the B2B Sales Trends podcast. It's brought to you by Global Performance Group, a boutique sales effectiveness company that implements behavior change for salespeople to engage their customers with competence and confidence to increase win rates, create a conversation based on outcomes, and sell more profitable deals. My name is Harry Kendelbacher, and today I have with me Alice Hoffman, who is the CEO of uh, Integra in Europe. Uh, welcome to B2B Sales Trend, Alice. Thanks, Harry. Thanks for having me and giving me the opportunity to speak and, uh, and be with you today. Absolutely. Pleasure to have you here. Alice, as a way of starting off the interview, tell me a little bit about yourself, if you would. Yes, sure. Well, um, we know each other from before, and uh, I can touch on that uh, a little bit on the, on why uh, the work that you do is important uh, in, in what I'm doing today. Just to put things in perspective, so I have been uh, working in the business-to-business -business space since uh, 18 years now, and I was lucky to develop myself in operations, strategy. I did a lot of sales and complex projects with multiple stakeholders to involve, um, did most of my career with a, a group called Sodexo, uh, which is active in the in the space of services. Um, I, I have always been in a way on, or another in spaces where there is something to buy and something to sell. So, uh, so I have seen both sides of the mirror from that perspective, which is very helpful to um, to understand and build this experience of understanding the mechanics of of how humans interact in business and uh, and what uh, what works and what not and what I can tell you with 18 years is that there is no recipe but there are there are things that uh, that we can do uh, in this space of uh, buying and selling to make our interactions successful and uh, just to uh, maybe bring the, the the history and the experience to where I am today I shifted recently to procurement services which is Another uh, another story, again, a space where there is as much about buying as there is about selling. So it gives another way to understand uh, what's the core of what we're doing and, and the fact that we are here to bring value to each other. And hopefully uh, I can develop on that because value is really something that uh, the, the value we bring in a value chain as actors is, is super important. So oh, interesting that you sort of switched now to the uh, professional buyer procurement space. Uh, on the other hand, from the from from the sales space, we we actually do have a number of uh, things that we uh, help salespeople to understand uh, a, a, a procurement. And and one of the things that salespeople typically struggle with is the idea of hey, you know, procurement is there to sort of give me a 10% haircut at the end of my deal and sort of makes things a lot more difficult for me. Is that really true? Well, I think, you know, the limit uh, that we have, as when we, if I put myself in the, in the shoes of a seller, the limit that we have is the interpretation that we make of another person. 
and uh, and and there are some techniques actually, uh, and that's one of the things I learned uh, in the GPG trainings actually was that you can understand better. You can't put yourself fully in the shoes of somebody else, but you can ask more and more questions and gain the right insights from the person you have in front of you and from people around this person to understand better, to, to be closer to being in the shoes of the other person. So yes, one as you say, one of the things we struggle to do uh, in sales is to understand what the, where, where the, the buyer is in his journey or her journey. And, uh, and all the mechanics to understand the other side of the mirror is interesting. And that's probably what is uh, what I have right now in my uh, in my uh, profession is really this uh, side of seeing the, the, the two components. Uh, well, first of all, thank you for the compliment about the the training intervention that you went through with us. Uh, and second of all, the uh, the it, it is interesting. And you mentioned something really important at the beginning. It's all about value, and that goes for both sides. And that that is so important. And if we get that into our heads, to how do we provide part uh, value to the other party? It doesn't matter if I'm a buyer or a seller. And how do we engage in this innovation dialogue? That just makes all the difference, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Another key component in your uh, very successful career has been uh, the business development side of things. Um, in your experience, what are the key components of an effective business development strategy? Well, it probably relates to what we are just talking about, which means uh, value, understanding uh, the needs. So for me, what is really critical is knowing what we are trying to answer, what is the need we're trying to answer. Um, you know, if you try to sell what you just have at hand or what you, you are convinced of makes sense, I have a super product, I have a super service, I'm going to sell it out. This often doesn't work. Um, whereas if you are seeing a need, if you're seeing a white space where where you have a solution, you have a product, and this will respond to something. So it's really this resonance between uh, between the, the need and, and what you provide. So for me, successful and effective business development does not start with the moment where you interact with somebody. Mm. It starts by knowing your market, knowing its needs, knowing your competition, the scalability of what you do. So there is something behind um, which you need to understand. So all of the landscape you're in. And if you if we get back to the value chain, what are the benefits of what you are developing and for whom to whom? Mm. And to know these benefits, um, once you know them, once you know who can influence uh, positively your success as well, your colleagues, your teams, your suppliers, your clients, of course, uh, their clients, so all of this value chain, and, and, uh, and that's where it's important to understand the bigger picture, because you always um, end up uh, managing your opportunity with what you know around. And that, for me, is where the success lays, is all of, uh, all of the landscape and understanding all of that, the bigger picture. It's interesting. It's interesting that you say that. Um... You mentioned that there needs to be, you know, is there a need that we can answer to? A big trend that we see in addition to that is the 
the idea of a lot of the time the customers uh, customers are just not aware of the fact that they have that need. So in a way, it really needs to be a an education and a gen you know a generating new needs sort of conversation. So there is something that you are not aware of that can help you improve your business or your situation. Uh, let me create the right conversation to make sure that you are now aware of that need and uh, and to help you uh, uh, to help you fulfill that need that you may not have appreciated before. Is that something that resonates with you? It's something that is permanent in in sales interactions. It's mm. either the person doesn't need that they have that doesn't know, sorry, that they have a need. Mm. or they have an immediate need, want to answer this one, but don't see that they are missing something around it. Mm. So jumping to the conclusion is something we all naturally do. And uh, and as a, as a buyer, I would tend to do that as well, because I think that I need this for this purpose, but maybe I don't know what's, what's around it. So yes, you're right. Uh, it's about... You know, the more, and if we come back to having the holistic picture, the landscape, once you know what is uh, what is all around this person who, who has or doesn't have a need, um, once you know what the person, what the person's challenges are, what mm. the purpose of his or her job is, and, and what they need to achieve, then mm. that, this is where you have the, fi- the right solution to help and, uh, and, and for that, you need to ask a lot of questions. And that's probably another big element that I learned in the trainings that, that we did together was dare to ask. And it's dare to ask the person, dare to ask people around this person, because this is how you will unlock either to specify the need or to readjust uh, what the, how the need is expressed or even to create the need. Uh, that's a good point. We have a, but uh, for our listeners, we have a specific questioning technique that really gets uh, gets them to uh, challenge the customer to make sure that we're hitting hitting needs that they are not uh, that they have not considered before, which is which is uh, different to the traditional approach. So it really isn't, Alice, anymore about going in asking twenty questions uh, in a sales process. It really needs to be the idea of being well prepared knowing the market knowing the competition that you as you have framed up correctly uh, as well as then uh, going in and creating sort of sort of a thought provoking dialogue right that's exactly it and if i may give an, a concrete example of um, mm. provoking thoughts so recently we had a client who was uh, so um, the lead was passed to us by another division of the same company that I work with mm-hmm. um, because our colleagues rightly thought, well, maybe there's something for you to do with this person, this client. So the, the person politely took the call with us and uh, um, didn't think that we were going to help because she had uh, seen from our website what we were doing. And the first reaction on the discussion. Um, in the in the first five minutes, the person said, "Look, actually, I'm not too interested in speaking to you because what you're doing means that I will lose my job because mm. I was just recruited 
to do what you're telling me that you can do. <laughs> wow. So this difficult situation, but mm. um, what we managed to do is by getting interested in what the person is doing, um, what today, uh, what are exactly that, the challenges of, of her job, um, what she tries to achieve, we came to a point where in the discussion it was obvious that if we go frontal and if we try to sell our usual services to her, she will remain in that space where she feels that what we propose is overriding what she has to do as, a, as an in-house person in her company. But we came to find the pain points that she has and these pain points were around, well, actually, we don't want your procurement services, which is the base of what we sell, but we want uh, also to minimize waste on our sites. We have issues because we have uh, one big Excel file with all of our uh, recipes and, uh, and we don't know how to handle them. We can't do anything technical uh, with it and we need a real IT solution to help our chefs in the, in the kitchens. Yeah. So all that together made the need different, absolutely different to, uh, to the normal trend of what we sell, but an entry point, additional services that we could sell that was helping her purpose. And now she sees us as a partner, where in the beginning of the discussion, she, she saw us as a as competition to her, actually. Wow. What a great example. What a great example not to be scared of immediately because the easy option would have been, okay, good. Well, well, there's nothing for us to get here. But by engaging and really understanding the other side, uh, you, you manage to work together. That, that, that's a great example. Thank you for sharing. It's great. It's really good. Now, I know you're working, obviously, with, um, <clears throat> with procurement professional buyers at uh, your organization. You optimize your client's business performance by improving their procurement and operational processes. Now, can you talk a little bit about how you do that and give us a, a bit of a formula that you have seen uh, that helps take these teams to the next level? Yes. Um, well, actually, I will bring you a little bit inside of our business to understand uh, how important it is to understand the mechanics of, uh, of human interactions in, in the B2B space. The fact is what we are selling is quite different to regular sales in the sense that we are not paid by our clients, we are paid by our suppliers mm -hmm. and our clients are more or less, they, they are members of what we propose and it doesn't cost but still, there is a safe cycle to onboard these members uh, who will join us. So, so we have to, uh, in some degree, double sell. We have to sell to our clients, but we also have to right. sell to our suppliers and bring the right value. And I think reflecting upon this, this is valid in many, many, many um, industries, but we don't think that way. So when you are frontally put in front of this, because in a business uh, you get remunerated by your suppliers, then you start to think and see how that applies to the wider world. So we're back to bringing value. So in our case, uh, the value chain might be slightly different than what, uh, what other salespeople will have in their field where the client pays and the supplier provides. However, you see the importance of, the, of bringing something to everyone because 
just one example, the supplier you have with you with whom you work well can very well be the person who will promote you to another client in the future. So you constantly have this circle of, uh, of building trust with a number of stakeholders, those who are your immediate stakeholders, the decision makers for the business you're in, but also all the influencers and how important it is uh, to work with these influencers. So for me, that's part of the formula to help teams take things to the next level, because that's how you, you ask the question, is this formula of uh, working around people and, uh, and, and gaining insights from, from everyone, from, do a 360 every time you have an opportunity, who's all in the game and who has what to say about what, and, and go and understand each point of view, each person, and how they can help. It will help for this opportunity, it will help for other opportunities. So interesting. You talk a lot about how, how simplifying purchasing processes and improving an organization's environmental and social footprint are really key to success. In the same breath, what are some of the things that suppliers should keep in mind when it comes to being a better partner to uh, to the procurement counterparts? Well, you know, I guess that's the, the, the other side, the flip side of what I just said about you mm -hmm. as a salesperson, you need to be curious about everything and everyone and understand the picture because right. in the end you can be drowned into complexity. And right. that's where the role of a salesperson is to be really the orchestrator of that, to take this complexity and make it simple again. Because you know uh, very well, Harry, like I do, that uh, the more we progress in time, the more, um, you know, when we try to work on an opportunity, it is complex. There are several people involved in decision making. It's an organization versus a person deciding, et cetera, et cetera. So if, if we don't re-simplify that, so once we have the complexity, once we know all of these, these, these pieces of information, we need to go back as salespeople to the essence and to say, okay, this is the key, this is the route forward. Otherwise, you get stuck in, in, in the complexity piece. So for me, that is really uh, the, the biggest part. And, uh, and you write on um, some of the value uh, you, you mentioned, uh, which is uh, improving organizations, uh, um, effectiveness, and environmental and social footprint. So this is really what we sell as uh, I would say uh, the, the services that we provide in, in the company I'm in at this moment in time, they are mostly, I would say also, um, you know, talking points, entry points. It doesn't mean the same for every single person we speak to. So we sell, we sell the principle, but then every client will have a different, uh, it will resonate differently to them. So it's not about saying, look, this is our environmental and social uh, solution. It's about listening. It's about understanding. And this is how we become a better partner is by transforming this concept, I would say, into what does it, what does it mean for me specifically, me as a client? What, what can I get from, uh, from you as a supplier? Because everyone can say uh, I'm good in environmental and social footprint. But the, 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 what, what works well is when, you, when it resonates to the person. So this resonance piece is extremely mm. important. The 
and what it means for them, really. Right, right, mm-hmm. right. Now, I know you've, uh, you've been obviously on both sides, um, both sides of the alley in terms of selling and, and buying. And, uh, you know, our listeners are uh, obviously sales and sales, uh, sales managers and sales leaders. Um, in your experience, when you think of the behaviors an ideal salesperson needs to have, uh, list for me the top three things that, that based on your experience and your opinion, that top salesperson needs to have and do in terms of uh, when they engage with their customers. What are those top three things? Yeah. <clears throat> so for me, first of all, and this might be con- counterintuitive because in sales, we often think we're, we're like, a, um, I would say a single hunter. For me, mm. the first behavior is collaboration. So whether it's with your colleagues, whether it's with your client, whether it's with your suppliers, it's all about collaboration. So a lot of, uh, if you have a mindset of you are here to collaborate, you will find the right way in. The second one is probably the most important one is to dare to ask. Some of us are extremely comfortable asking, some others are not, so that's the first barrier. But also, um, we are sometimes blocked, even if we are natural darers, we are sometimes blocked by our own perception. You think you understand what the client wants, and therefore you don't ask more because you think you already know the answer of what the client will say. So daring to ask is sometimes just a fight against yourself and against your own conviction. So it's not so much, well, I'm, I'm not too sure I should ask this question. Sometimes it's about that. It's about daring in really the, the first, uh, first sense. Sometimes it's about daring in the second sense, secondary sense, which is going beyond your own beliefs to ask again and, uh, and risk to have a slightly different answer or to, to, to undo what your thoughts are. So for me, that's an extremely important one, probably the key one. Mm. If I speak about behaviors and being more concrete in terms of uh, how I would do things when I am in front of a client, I think the, the fact of preparing yourself and having written key agreements that you want to have at the end of the meeting is what will drive you to be on track of what you're trying to achieve for the whole process. So for the whole discussion, if you have your key agreements in mind before you enter the room and you know what you want to achieve, you will take them or you will not take them, but at least you will have followed your flow the whole duration of the meeting. So for me, that's another successful key. And uh, share with the listeners for people who are not, uh, not, familiar with the uh, term key agreements uh, share with the listener what that is if you would so when you prepare a client interaction you come with the knowledge that you have of where am i at the moment so have i already spoken to this person or not what did we already exchange what do i want to achieve at the end of the meeting 
do I want to uh, to um, have a contract signed? Do I want to um, take the, the client to an, another journey, to an experience uh, after this meeting and I want an agreement upon that? Mm. Do I want to negotiate a specific term of a contract that is, uh, that is complicated to pass? So really this preparation phase and to list down, to put on paper, and with several people, if you are a number of you going into a meeting, it's really important that everyone on your side, if you bring along somebody that the person knows as well, and the key agreement is the moment where you have been written, what is it you want from the client at the end that, they, that you want them to say yes to, whether it's a next step, whether it's a signature, whether it's a term, etc. This is for me key agreement. And thank you for the explanation. It's such an interesting uh, uh, tool because the idea is that, especially early on in the sales process, that you have to uh, get out of your comfort zone and in your terminology dare uh, to, to ask the client or the prospect for things early on in the process. And that's very counterintuitive to them. Because early in the process, we want to make sure we get the deal, we get things going fast, we want to make sure that there is a fit, but really to establish, you know, is there budget, is there a willingness to change the current status quo, is there a need, uh, am I going to have access to all the stakeholders involved in the process, and so on. So these initial asks early on in the sales process are really, really important and determines to a large extent how the sales process continues for them. Because one of the biggest mistakes is that we quickly get to a proposal stage and then wonder why we are losing the, uh, the deal because we really haven't done the initial pieces uh, uh, properly and the way it should be done early on. Very interesting point. Very interesting point. At least my last question to you is what uh, what trends do you see? Obviously, uh, we've had uh, challenging times through uh, COVID and the, the whole uh, situation being from face-to-face to virtually live, uh, all the different platforms that are out there now and uh, all the different channels to communicate and so forth. What trends do you anticipate in terms of sales skills and how salespeople need to adapt? Or should they just keep it simple as you, as, you, uh, as you referred to it early on? Keeping it simple is important, but I think that there is one uh, additional risk, I would say, that I see in, in the way we, we behave today uh, when we try mm. to, um, to get knowledge in particular. So for me, the, the, well, the, the pandemic uh, didn't help in that, but uh, it, it fostered a lot the... Um, the use of uh, digital tools and uh, and we were already we had before the reflex of uh, of getting informed and getting familiar with concepts uh, by just uh, you know following some videos etc and um, and the risk here I see uh, is that we feel that we are extremely um, we have the right baggage to to go and and do what we have to do just because we saw, we listened. And uh, although it's important, uh, the knowledge piece is important. Um, at the same time, 
it's the application of it that will uh, be um, building your strengths. So for me, um, the risk that we see is that we multiply the sources of information, that we get a lot of concepts. But actually, yeah, there was a recent, uh, a recent survey uh, done about how much you remember of what you've done, um, you know, uh, and, and you, you forget very quickly, although it might be extremely interesting, etc. you forget very quickly what you learn. And if you don't work on it, if you don't use it every day, then you don't uh, you don't succeed. So for me, that is one of the of the key points mm. of what I learned as well, and what I learned with with you and uh, when you embarked uh, me and the team in uh, in doing trainings. I must say is we took it away. We had lots of uh, of learning in one week of training. But we had something that made sense, that made logic, that was one way of looking at things. It doesn't mean there are not other ways of looking at things, but it means there is a methodology. And then we applied it. And we applied it every single day. I, I'm still using it now. I think okay. when, I, when I was first exposed to, uh, to uh, what, we, what we learned with your teams was probably eight years ago. Mm. And I'm still using it in my everyday life. I'm still using it, although I'm not in sales anymore. So for me, it's really the use of things and what you learn and, and how you learn it makes the big difference. So in the trend of today of everything is digital and, uh, and everything is accessible, the risk is to believe to make the difference or to make the, the, the mismatch between having the maximum knowledge and being able to use something. So that for me, that's for me the biggest uh, biggest trend at the moment, and where we need to uh, watch uh, and be careful as salespeople that we don't uh, get trapped into uh, into thinking we know it all. Mm. That's it. I absolutely love that. We we always say it's not about the knowledge you absorb; it is about the knowledge that you apply. And that's 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 a real real key thing and thank you by the way for those kind words about our work together Alice you've been a wonderful guest on our podcast thank you so much for your time and for sharing your very valuable points of view we really appreciate it thank you so much to all of our listeners my name is Harry Kendelbacher check us out on globalperformancegroup.com join us on our next episode of the B2B sales trends to be released very shortly Look after yourself and happy selling, everybody.